Hey, movie lovers, welcome to Popcorn Talk's watch-along of James and the Giant Peach. I am Phil Svitek, and I have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. We are big fans of the movie. Uh, myself, in particular, have seen it multiple, multiple times. I like to revisit the movie every now and then. And with the holiday season of Halloween approaching, we figured this would be a nice addition and, and something fun to do. I know it's not horror, necessarily, but it's got it's got certain elements. Halloween themes, and uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about it. Now, the other reason we're also doing this is on our sister network, Book Circle Online, we do a series called Adapted, where we talk about books that have been turned into movies. Well, for those of you unaware, this is one such movie that it, it was a book from Roald Dahl, same title, James and the Giant Peach, and years later, it was turned into this. In fact, it was Roald Dahl's first book. Yes, it was. Look at that. There's a little bit of trivia for you. So in anticipation of us doing that show, we, of course, have to watch the movie. And we figured, what what better way than to share our experience of watching the movie with you? So for those of you not familiar, here's how this is going to work, right? We're essentially going to sync up. We're going to play the movie on our end, and you're going to play the movie on your end. We're not going to show it to you because, unfortunately, due to copyright reasons and things like that, we're not allowed to, nor would we want to. Um, go out and purchase the movie. But we're going to sync up. Uh, so the way it's going to work is I'm essentially going to do a countdown. And when I say, so we'll start at three, go to one. And when I say go, you're going to hit play on your screen, whether it's a Blu-ray or whatever. And we're going to hit play on our screen. Uh, if for some reason you're not ready quite yet, go ahead and pause us. I won't take offense. Get everything ready, then unpause us. Ready? Okay, good. Because we're ready on our end. And so we're going to go in three, two, one. All right, so now, so now here we have the Disney old school logo, not the 3D animation. Like I love no. the new one, but this is so old school. This is I love like it. 90s classic Disney. Absolutely. So here we go. I love the old school credit intros, especially because they have the old animations, and it kind of gives you a preview of, of what the movie's gonna be, but without spoiling anything. Right, and what I like about this title, it's hand-drawn 2D kind of animation. Don't see that much anymore. No, miss it. I miss it so much. So this movie is directed by Henry Selleck, who's done movies such as Coraline, but also uh, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, which most people think because it's called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas that he's the one who did it. He, he, he produced it, yes, but Henry Didn't Selleck. Direct it. Yes. This Henry Selleck. Is James Henry Potter. The book and the movie open the same way. So, what I love about this is that it's live action, but with this odd sense of it's not fully real. It's like, yeah, it's somewhat dream type of a sequence. The gosh and blur, sepia tone. They have each other. And it gets the, the entire story pretty quick like we, we set things up um, now this is a deviation because in the book they die right away yeah immediately I don't think they survive past the first page no they do not and here not only do they have speaking lines but they, they, they set up a goal for James you know they give him a purpose in life yeah which is of course New York and they give him a destination to for the the entire audience to follow throughout the full movie. That's where we're going. Now, maybe this was me because I grew up on the East Coast, very close to New York. 
I didn't always understand the appeal of everyone wanting to go to New York. I still want to go to New York. I've never been. So I get the appeal. Fair enough. It's not to say New York's not a wonderful place. It's just, I took it for granted, that's all. Right, because you were so close to it. Yeah. But for people farther away, such as myself, it's like something unattainable. It's within your grasp. You're almost there. I love that transition where he's looking down, but then things go dark. Um, yeah. That's a scary cloud. I think the way they create the rhino in the book, they, they have what's called cloud people, and I so so I think they created it through that sense where the rhino's a cloud person, uh, a cloud animal. Yeah, because we don't see cloud people in, in the movie. movie. Um, but of course, here's the, the wicked ants. aunts. The ants are so scary looking. Definitely Halloween-esque. <laughs> yeah. Saying they look like death would be insulting to death. <laughs> um, and then you have your standard, he's like, you know, he's like a Cinderella-esque type character, having to clean and all that, so. Yeah. It's like bad household. It's very dark. It's like, there's no life where he's staying. And yet the music's music by Randy Newman, who you love. I'll give you a moment to talk about that. But it's pretty upbeat right now. It is. Um, but you love Randy Newman, yeah? Yes, I love him. He's big in Disney. You got a friend in me is probably what people know him the most for. From Toy Story, Toy of course. Toy Story. Oof. Ew. Wouldn't want one of those nesting in your knickers. <laughs> I mean, technically I wouldn't either, but I wouldn't necessarily want to kill it. So, like, the answer is caricatures. Just feast your eyes upon my face. Observe my shapely What I love about this scene is that this is basically directly lifted as far as dialogue from the book. So I appreciate how well it translated. Except it gives a visual representation oh, no. to her toes. And the, the toes are awful. Get them away. <laughs> I love her name, uh, uh, Aunt Sponge. Yeah, Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiky. Spiker. Spiker, yeah. But Sponge doesn't like, she's concerns. Big and There's a nice reminder of we want to get to New York, so we haven't given up on the dream. Right. But somewhere he's wanting to go. And here we're also setting up the idea that the rhino itself is going to be a constant threat. You know? Yeah, the looming theme. So it's not just one and done. By the way, we're enjoying some morsel snacks. So, uh, morsel is a delivery service of snacks for your offices. And they have delivered great snacks for us. So, if you work in an office, I suggest you look them up and get yourself some snacks. Some morsels. If you don't behave, I think it's interesting how they're all dressed in white, and white usually symbolizes purity and goodness. And I think it's safe to say the ant really aren't those, those things. Now they're black. Now they're black. Back in glittery and sequin. Yes. Ooh, her teeth are so right. <laughs> we finished all the dinner. 
Now they definitely made them caricatures because, like, to feed him a fish head. <laughs> What's he gonna eat? He needs to eat something. He can't eat that. He's... Ugh. Ugly. I'll do let me guess. They're not good enough for him. What do you think this is? Probably but what I like. Fish heads. Would you eat a fish head? I don't know. <laughs> I would never eat a fish head. I'll eat fish, but not a fish head. Right. But say you eat it on a fish head. But all these things, right, as far as the beginning, they're setting up visual representations and motifs for later on, uh, which I appreciate. So, like, we're, we're about to get the spider and, and all those things, right? Right. Which is different from, from the book, because the book just goes along and it's just right. circumstance, essentially. And they're setting up, like, a lot of foreshadowing. Um, mm-hmm. And motifs because they even said bug and all that, so it it's already planting the idea these are things we're gonna eventually see. And Ooh. spiders are scary. Ooh. Yeah, even that's scary. Hmm. Nope, I don't think I can handle that. What I appreciate about Roald Dahl, like, he really wanted to educate children and all these things that were scary to them, whether spiders or whatever. He tried to humanize all the animals. I don't know this for a fact, but... And I'm sure, like, back in England, in his time, veganism wasn't, like, a thing. But I feel like today's... If, if he was around more today, he would be a vegan. Yeah, I could. I, I would believe that. He had a very gentle soul, and he really wanted to right. educate kids. And Royal Dahl also said, mentioned in interviews, that a lot of movies and television shows would always anthropomorphize uh, animals already. So he, he thought that was something that we've already seen time and time again. So that's why he decided to go with insects and bugs, because we haven't seen it at the time he wrote this story. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen insects being humanized. See, this is the singing. I was like, this this part is not in the book. A lot more songs in the movie for sure. There's a few songs in the book. Um, we'll, we'll point out which one specifically, but you're right. A lot more singing. Yeah. I think they, they beefed up the runtime. They definitely padded this movie. <laughs> because the book itself is just over 100 pages. And when we say 100 160 pages... 160 pages with a lot of pictures. And the words are big. <laughs> so, a, it is a children's book. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, getting one of those, and how overwhelming that book seemed. Because I was like, oh, over 100 pages? <laughs> Who's going to want to read this? That's uh, too many. How foolish. As a kid, that's a lot. Yeah, I remember the paper lantern that he makes. It establishes the uh, connection with, with him and the spider. Yeah, he's gonna fly away to New York, literally. Like the paper lantern. See, there's a lot of foreshadowing elements. And he gets the bugs in the back. So that's another thing that, you know, yeah. cause and effect, cause and effect. Yeah. That's what Marissa says. That's what I, I would say. Vermin. Yeah. 
Now spiders are the good ones because they kill the other insects. Depends on what spiders they are. Depends on what spiders. Oh no, <laughs> it's on the face. See, so there, there's a lot of slapstick humor in this, so I appreciate that. Slapstick humor works well with kids. <laughs> I love slapstick humor. And I, I feel like the appeal of both the movie and the book is that it, it's just so universal. Yeah. And I mean, who doesn't love slapstick humor? Oh, Peter Passaway. He's the mysterious guy. He's the narrator and the mysterious guy. Yeah. It's been years since I've seen this film. What would you say if I were to tell you that the answer to all your troubles is right here? Inside this little bag. Hey! Of course it is. Of course it is. What I what I appreciate like there's always that fantastical element. Um you know, someone you can attribute it. I feel like it, you can attribute it to whatever you want in life. You can call it God, whatever your religion, or even just the universe, faith, whatever. And, and even though it's not, there's not like a physical representation of like the mysterious man. But if you have faith, the mysterious man shows up in, in a certain way. And I, I basically what I'm saying is I, I like the idea that there's always hope right. from somewhere. But you just gotta be open to it. And this reminds me of James and the. The bean, er, the, Jack, the beanstalk. And the Jack and the Beanstalk. A lot of J names. Jack and the Beanstalk. He he got magical beans, and then up came a beanstalk, and his adventure started there. So they were magical, just like these crocodile tongues. Well, that's what I love. It, it's such a heartwarming moment, and then it turns into what are they made of? <laughs> tongues. <laughs> and then it just keeps going and going. That's a great little picture. That's a great line from him. Because you're right, if you're like a kid or like even an adult, none of this makes any sense. No, Not up here! I do remember the scene where he's always like, New York is right there for you. What I was always very curious about, both in the book and the movie, what, what was the original game plan? <laughs> like, if these creatures didn't escape, what were they gonna do for him? I don't know. I think it's like, I have something cool, but I have no use for them, so I'm gonna pass them along to the next person who might actually put them to good use. See, I feel like it's almost like the Matrix, where he's the Oracle and and. Oh, and James is the as is Neo, because this was gonna happen one way or the other. But the the mysterious man is obligated to tell him to watch out. Right. But he knows that's not gonna fully happen. No. So, my question is, where did the mysterious guy come from? How did he come about these crocodile tusks? That's a whole nother story. That's like the prequel. It doesn't make sense up here. Exactly. It makes sense here. <laughs> right here. 
I like that's how he gets out of punishment. Spiker, look, a peach! A peach! A peach! By the way, peaches are awesome. We should be eating peaches. Ah, missed opportunity. This is great. And I love how they're so greedy. Like all they, the first thing they want is just to eat it. Well, it's like, just looking at it visually, everything else is so dark and basically dead. And the peach is the one colorful thing that's alive. So it's a visual contrast of what we're watching. That's a good point. He's growing. What? A boy? He's growing. Ooh, really fast. He, he should have just farted in her face. <laughs> Kids would have loved that humor. Growing really big. See this house on the hill and all this? Visually, he's very gothic and German expressionist. Yeah. I like the music. Because well, now we're about to get into a carnival, baby! Like, the adventure is beginning. Marvelous things will happen. Just like he said. Shut up, you grub. Grub. See? Insects could be considered grubs. Can you smell so, I love how the, the ants give him, like, a lot of different... Names for bugs, insects, grubs. Then they just keep changing it, right? Which was a point from the book that they never insulted him the same way. Right. Which is kind of very demeaning, but also kind of creative. <laughs> it's demeaning, but it also it kind of gives purpose and makes sense that James would get along with the other bugs. Because he's just already associated with them. Of course, they would exploit the awesomeness that is the peach. I mean, technically, I'm not mad at that. I'm not even mad at them, like, touch it. I mean, maybe the way she said, like, get out of here. But if a child, if that was my peach and a child wanted to touch it, yeah, I'd say no touching. It's yeah. like, when you go to the art gallery, you can't touch the art. But you can take pictures of it. Not always. Not always. But who has ever seen a peach that big? That's the point. <laughs> no. It's supposed to come from all around to see this magnificent sight. Of course, they get money off of it. Oh, they should go to New York. They're capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not going to give him a trip to New York. They're going to keep it for themselves. You can play with their garbage. That's a fun game. Hmm. Oh, that's terrible. Now, what's kind of interesting is that as kids, right, you're kind of on the cusp where you're starting to figure things out. It depends what age you watch this movie. But of course, there's that sense of. Wait. The thing that my parents are scaring me with, is it actually real or is it not? 
you know, is this thing actually going to come out and get me? And what I like is that it blurs the line, this movie does, of the, is the rhino ever going to come back? And lo and behold, you know, the fact that it does later on is right. an interesting viewpoint. And the rhino comes back with a different purpose. Yeah. Different meanings. And this is also different from the book because James, in the book, he sneaks out of the house at night to see the peach for him, himself. And in the movie, the ants give him a purpose to go outside. Yeah, and the whole way he ended up inside the peach and all that, like, him eating this portion of a peach. It's a magical peach. Ah, see? And it opens a passageway. By the way, I love the filmmaking on it of like him like having these weird stomach pain. Like it's just the <laughs> camera. Oh. Alright, so in we go. He's crawling in. And this is where we go from live action to stop motion. Stop motion stop for motion. me. Some people I I never understand why there's certain people that say like, oh I can't watch stop stop oh. motion animation. I'm like, why? It's beautiful. Such an art form. I appreciate the art form. You love stop motion more than I do. I have a hard time as a viewer. I have a harder time connecting to characters or storylines because it's not fully real. It's not fully animated. It's like in between. So I can never like fully emotionally connect. For me, I say I see past. I like I see what the characters are supposed to represent. You know, like even these guys, um, the centipede is a street tough New Yorker-esque character. Mm. You know, uh, the grasshopper is a, is a very well-read intellect. Yeah. And the centipede is like the least likable character in the story. They really captured the voices of these characters well from, from book to movie. It's hard to establish all these characters all at once because they're all so dark. They're literally in the dark. Until we add light. There you go. See, the spider isn't as scary in stop motion form. Well, she was never supposed to be scary. I love the ladybug. I forgot she's like the lovable older lady. The nanny. The nanny, so to speak. And I like how them changing into these stop motion characters is, is plot driven. Right. Like, you've changed. Oh. Well, of course you have. You've gone from live action to stop motion. Yeah, and I wonder why, I mean, we, we know Henry Selleck who was a part of this, but why they chose to go for stop motion compared to full 2D animation, which was big in the 90s. I don't know, there's, to me... I, again, I'm biased, but I love the art form, and I think you're able to do 
More creative things. Yeah. I the worm. Like in an odd way, it's still based in reality because the physical object exists. Yeah. It's just not actually a real person. Big city. Uh, More singing. So we keep establishing New York. That's a running theme through these first yeah. 20 or so minutes. And they've established that these characters know what New York is like. Like they've been there. Yeah, I don't know how many centipedes actually go to New York. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Of course, the spider is very mysterious. Mm. Now, see, those clouds were 2D. Yes. Those are hand drawn. They add an element to it. Um, so they have smoking, which is interesting, but. Um, the book is less about this, but. What do you think of the sexuality between the spider and the centipede? Like there's, you know, there's definitely some sexual tension there. I think At least from my perspective. That might be for the adults. Okay. Yeah, something for the adults to enjoy. Ugh. We got like a Gene Kelly. <laughs> like grasshopper. It'd be interesting to know how far apart the songs are ultimately. Because the movie is lightning fast in essence. It's only like an hour and 20. And that's with credits and all that. Yeah. And that, it follows the pace of the book because the book is constantly moving. They're literally going from place to place to place. So I feel these musical numbers is keeping us in one place. It, it, it's padding the movie. Look at this place. still So unlike. The time is a little bit truncated in the movie because everything happens same night. Yeah. Whereas in the book, they go to sleep and then they wake up and they plan on doing this. Now, this is kind of out of necessity. They have to get the hell out of there. Because they're escaping the ants. Yeah, and for James's um, purposes. Because they're, you know, in search of James. Like if you think about it, the story, the whole story is actually very fast, because the the book, that like it really in real time only takes place in about a day, like one night to like a full next day. In real time, that's really quick. Oh, and here we go. This is a very, and I love, so, you know, now we're intercutting the real life to the animation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but still very cartoony. Oh. Along paired with the music. Oh. I like that they get squished. <laughs> squished. They deserve it. But it comes back later in the best of ways. 
goes the and beach. And rolling down the hill. This music almost sounds like, um, what's the, Peter and the Wolf? Yeah, with all the violence. Yeah, another great story. And movie. I love how it just, like, clears the house. Because that's not what we wanted. Yeah, the building. It's not what we wanted to start. God forbid we destroy a church. Looks like one of those roller coasters that you know where you attach yourself to the wall and then the wall. Oh, the, the graviton. Yeah. Yeah, those are fun. The floor goes down and you're just left you hanging just... onto nothing. You're like, how am I? How is this possible? And into the water. That and that happens in the book, right off the cliff. Oh. Oh. Somebody pinched me. Oh. Thought you were the spider. <gasps> <laughs> That's an adult joke there. <laughs> See, there's a dull humor in this. I love the ladybug. In the movie, it feels like James takes much more of command of things. Right, at least he's more assertive than what they built his character out to be. Yeah. This is the first time we see Day in the movie. How great. Look at that ocean. The ocean's better than that hill he was on. I remember seeing behind-the-scenes featurettes of this. Like, I was just in awe of this stuff. And I have to say, today's day and age, like, behind the scenes featurettes, kind of aren't that great. They're more like marketing material. Right, if you're lucky to have behind the scenes featurettes. I feel more DVDs are getting away from it. Yeah. And again, if they include it, it's just like, here's a bunch of trailers and intercut with one or two interviews with the cast members about how great the movie is. It's like, I, I, I've seen the movie. I want you to talk about how you made the movie. Right. Um, and so I appreciate, like, there was... The creative process. It's not about you. I didn't actually see this movie, I don't think, in movie theaters. I saw it on the Disney Channel way down the line. And what I appreciated at the time, they they had a lot of that stuff where going into the presentation they would like they would make it a special event for you. They'd build it up. Um, Michael Eisner would come out and he'd say, you know, tonight's presentation and all that. I saw this in theaters. Did you? I did not. Yeah. yeah. I was, I remember, I was a kid and my parents took me. I won't say how old I was, but I remember, I was old enough to remember. Yeah, I didn't really get to go to the movies that much, but I loved movies. Yeah. So I used to watch them on TV. Fortunately, my parents took me to almost all the kids' films that came out. Commodore Centipede. Commodore Centipede. See, the centipede has such attitude. <laughs> 
The grasshopper kind of reminds me of uh, the Peanuts guy. Peanuts guy, which with, with the monocle and the hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's very so, dressed up like the so Peanuts. <laughs> this is their first uh, obstacle on the on the road. Um, now, this is definitely from the book. Although the way no. it kind of fully is ex executed is a little bit different. See, I remembered them flying, but I didn't remember exactly how they were flying. Or like how they accomplished it. But again, going back to that idea of Roldal helping teach kids and inspire them, you know, the idea of we're a childlike innocence and like they're they're not encumbered by is this possible is this not right the fact that you know james came up with this and you know they put it into action and, and it worked very quickly so it's inspiring to to think of it in those terms you know that childlike innocence right and we know james is very innovative because he built that paper bag lantern in two minutes <laughs> Poor Earthworm doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't get, uh, Oh yeah, he, they use him as bait for the, the seagulls. <laughs> Got him! Yeah, it, the Earthworm never gets to defend himself, essentially. Like, when you don't have arms or legs... <laughs> kind of helpless. Can, yeah. You got the seagull. It's seagull. Another rhino! In the ocean. Preposterous. Preposterous. Oh, roll pool. I like how this is visualized. Like oh. a shark. That's a scary shark. See, the four fish heads. Yeah, there's the, there's the uh, callback to the fish heads. Yeah. Not in the book. No, the sharks are in the book, remember? Remember, it's multiple sharks. Multiple, yeah. It's like, this is like very iron type shark. Well, that was the interesting part. It's. Like machine. It's machine, yeah. It's it's like, is a submarine? It's one of those fishing boats, but it's never fully cleared up or. It's an odd thing. It's an odd change that they're making of things that could be real but aren't real. Yeah. I like the the uh, coinciding of the sharks along with the same time, and they're trying to get all these seagulls. It like adds more time, like a pressure that like they have to do this now. Oh, I like how they He's did this. He's a good fisherman. He <laughs> got like all the birds one fell swoop. I liked how they did it. In this, because in the book, they're basically getting 500 of these seagulls <laughs> one by one. Yeah, this is really quick. Off they go! And I appreciate that they have the, the fence around it so they can kind of walk around the peach. And the sharks have, like, bayonets kind of thing. Well, that's why it's it's more of a human machine rather than an actual, actual shark. shark. The 
nevertheless scary. Oh, See, they never yeah. caught seagulls in the book like this. Nope. I appreciate that. Like, everyone's everyone's kind of getting a job during crisis. The grasshopper is good at jumping, so it makes sense. Yeah, and the ladybug can fly. And she yeah. got her bag to... You go, lady. I like her. She's awesome. I like the ladybug. She can roll up her sleeves and mm -hmm. hang with the Don't best Don't mess with the ladybug. Put your backs into it. Nice See, Senpi, not doing anything. Not helping. There's a lot of tension here. Ooh, scary. <laughs> Just in the nick of town. Yeah, I think that I think that was a very well done scene. Yeah. Yeah, see that. Combust. I thought I remembered the guts of the fish going everywhere, but I guess not. I'm from Brooklyn. It's cool that this peach has the wooden planks there so they can like essentially have different levels to be on the peach. Whereas in the book it's just one giant peach and they're always on top of it. Yeah. I can't get over the spider's accent. She sounds like a vampire. With the teeth. Maybe she's supposed to be French. She French or Transylvanian? I can't tell. Well, the 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 hat and kind of look looks French, but yeah, accent-wise, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the peach has different layers, you can, different levels. I like that. I like how they can navigate just based on the way they turn the stem. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but we'll go with it. It's air travel. Earthworm has a lot of disabilities. <laughs> and a lot of neuroses. Yeah. No arms. No legs, bad vision. Doesn't he have no? He, he, in the book, he keeps yeah, saying how like he can't see. Yeah. He's very disabled. <laughs> Gotta just look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, here. Wonder Worm. <laughs> I love that claws look like teapots. This is a great visual. I do not remember that at all. Teapots, that's supposed to be happy. And then we get the grumpy centipede. So this is what this is where they get start getting hungry, which is reminiscent of the book. <laughs> the mirage into Now peaches are great. Do you think you could eat a peach for I'd say a week? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> there is a line in the book where they said because the peach is so big in size, it would take them months just to put a dent into it. So they could live for a very long time just off of the peach. 
but would you want Not to? But that's the question. Like, do all those creatures actually eat peaches to survive on a normal basis? Not really. No. I don't think spiders eat peaches. That's the fun. But I do appreciate that the James again is the one to problem solution, right? Right. So they, they present the problem and comes up with a solution. Well, really, what are you talking about? A whole ship is made of food. Oh, such a clever little boy. Such a clever little boy. Duh. I like the, the close-up of the peach, where the actual material, you can see it's like made out of like a felt or fleece type of material. Mm-hmm. The surface of the peach. So this song they're about to sing is actually from the book, except the centipede is the only one who sings it, they distribute it to all the characters in the movie. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I've eaten many strange and scrumptious dishes in my town. This is a fun song. It's got a lot of great camera movement. Look at the British flag as a tablecloth. But don't forget to sprinkle them with just a pinch of grime. That's like pottery. Hmm. That's a chef. That's a good, good song. Does it come with barrels if you order it by post? Switching to the old school. Wow, it's been years since I've seen this, and I don't remember any of these songs. This is one's the most famous. It comes because it's just so fun. It comes to you in barrels if you order it by post. Yeah. I can see why they added more music to this because kids love music. It's more appealing for the, the younger generation. Now, it, if a grasshopper went to my peach, I don't know how I'd feel. Yeah. But I love how they're, they're stopping it like wine. <laughs> that looks like beer. <laughs> yeah. Peach beer. Peach beer. Underage drinking. <laughs> Well, Harry Potter had butter beer, so. That's true. This is peach beer. Peach beer. Now comes my fellow travelers. A lot of rap. A lot of peach. You shop. These foods are rare beyond compare and can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> I really like how they did it inside of the peach as far as production design. Yeah. Because in the book they actually like describe the cavity that is basically its own room. That they can, they had the freedom to move around. Oh, 
be a fun food fight. Yeah. Except where you wash up. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ocean's right there, I guess. I guess have the spider give you a string and just take a little yeah. dip. Go. <laughs> See, in, like, in the movie, it gives you different levels of the peach within it. It's cool. Look at that camera work. You're going from room to room to room. I, I like all the, uh, the balls of, of within the earthworm, so representing how much he ate. A spider's web would be like a great hammock. Mm. Yeah, a sticky hammock. We don't have to worry about going anywhere, that's for sure. We're establishing friendship. Mm -hmm. The spider seems French, but she doesn't sound French. So this is a this is a good little moment of inserting doubt into the hero. You know, James being worried. What if? What if? What if? Right. And it's different because he never had a supporting, you know, group where the, they were always reassuring him. I mean, he only had his two aunts where who were always demeaning him. Yeah. And this is the first time he has people reassuring him. Yeah, and the, the difference from the book, like the fact that he has a goal here that he's trying to get to is different because in the book, they're just trying to get to somewhere, but they don't necessarily know where. Uh, and he's more so just trying to stay away from the aunts. Yeah. Um, I love this sequence, by the way. So it, it's, it's like an animation within an animation. I like the the actual symbolism. He starts off as a caterpillar, which eventually will bloom into a butterfly. <laughs> and the fact that the ant sponge did kill the caterpillar at the beginning, or the butterfly at the beginning of the movie. And how this uh, gas is actually the rhino. This animation is so trippy. Clouds, man. They make them really scary in this movie. I think it's uh, to make up for the fact we don't have cloud people. Probably. The rhino again. When I See, first... that's terrifying. If yes. like for an adult, that's kind of scary too. I can't imagine when you're kids. That's scary. And it is. I remember when I first uh, read in the book about cloud people, I'm like, wait, what? What's a cloud person? <laughs> <laughs> right? People live in the clouds? Am I supposed to know who that is? Um, so this is a little bit different. This is definitely not in the book, but they do go a little bit north. Um, so I, I, I actually like this insertion into the, to the movie. Uh, they're very far north. It must be that cold. They're visiting Santa. That's supposed to be the Titanic. <laughs> Probably the Titanic. Or the Atlantic Ocean. What's your longitude? Hey, hey, hey! 
Or the civil is shipwrecked. You said you could navigate. You said you traveled the world. You said you'd been to Bora Bora. Oh, not Bora Bora per se. What about the shores of Tripoli? Did I say Tripoli? I'm in Sicily. That's what you said. Oh, the Montezuma. The shores of Tripoli. That's the main song. Then he's seen the world. This is where we learn about lying and fake <laughs> it till you make it. Uh, they, they certainly up the tension between the grasshopper and the centipede. Right. But the centipede's not a likable guy. He's not like he's the least likable guy in in the book and also in the movie. But at least in the movie, he arcs the most. There, well, he does arc in the book too. There has to be a moment of conflict before the arc. But we're not there yet. The way this movie does it, I think, is a great representation of that for the cent for yeah the centipede. Although the missing part for the centipede is that in the book he has what forty two shoes. Yeah, lots of shoes. Here we don't really. Where's the song about the shoes? <laughs> we don't really deal with the shoes here. No, no, we don't. Only a fool. See, he willingly gets off the off the peach. I love that he's committed pesticide. <laughs> Great little clever joke. That's smart. Kids would not get that. <laughs> like, let's go save him. No, I don't know about insects underwater, but freezing water, nevertheless. See, and in the book, it's the glowworm, or no, it's the silkworm that helps save the, not the spider. Um, Ooh, that's scary. I really love this sequence. I think it's a lot of fun, like, going underwater. I remember, like, this was a very complicated scene for them because of how to light it and so forth. Um, and they definitely added more to this scene because in the book, it's like... James goes into the water, swims around for a little bit, but we never actually go into the water. They just tell us. He swam the whole ocean to try to find him. Sounds like you need a little oil, Captain. Thank you, sir. I'll be shoving off now. See, the centipede's like not once actually in dire jeopardy. Until this moment. This is where like the Halloween elements come in of like dead ghosts and well, pirates line, and ships. The line holy shipwreck? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh see see now he's in jeopardy. Torture. See, this is a torturing element. Hey, that one's pretty good. But it's the humor that undercuts it as far as like making it not making it okay for kids. Because he's still telling all the jokes. Whereas if he had actual pain, I think 
like that would have been too far for kids. That looks like Jack Skellington. <laughs> What was the movie with the skeleton dog? Mm, yeah. Anyway, I think they pulled from this. I think that was another Disney movie or maybe Pixar movie. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of um, Coco. Did they have a dead dog? Yeah, like Coco. a very action-filled scene, if you really think about it. Right. Not at all in the book. It's like capture the flag. <laughs> More fun. But also, even like pirates and shipwreck, that's a fun story and it's a fun element. Just yeah. like, it's a fun environment to be in. Because who doesn't love walking plank or playing pirates, you know? Yeah. And if you think about it, only seven years later, we got the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, thank goodness. You're all right. What happened to Centipede? Give up compass for us. Oh. And she made a pirate. Oh. Hold this. I am going back. You be careful, Miss She goes Spider. back? Gotta save Centipede. All right. Now, this was a very... If you're a kid and you're watching this, this is a very sad moment. He's alive. Kiss you. Yeah, and they're definitely building that relationship. Yeah. I'm sorry. I sincere apologies. I just want to apologize. I just wanted to say. I like this. I'm freezing. Hello. The compass is ready. Mr. Centipede, would you please do us the honor of navigating us out of this... That was a great little moment. Yeah, it's nice. Problem and solution, and it wasn't... It wasn't just the James this time. Like, they're all coming together and... Yeah, it's like they had to band together and build that bond. But now this is the point where, like, now Centipede is likable. That was the turning point. And he's working... He's a part of the team now, instead of going to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this part I don't remember as much. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So this is where uh, the grasshopper plays his tune. Because mm. he's a proper violinist. Every time I see the grasshopper, I just think Gene Kelly. He, he like, walks and talks like him. That looks a little dangerous. <laughs> right at the edge. It's not a smooth surface. It just doesn't go right off. Even if it was a smooth surface, <laughs> you know, the fact that it has, like, an edge... Right. Of any kind. Right back into the water. But yeah, here we get the, the music and, and uh, James and the grasshopper have a connection because he's heard this music before at, uh, at the aunt's house. 
I really, like, they managed to connect a lot of these dots. That's great camera work, by the way. Yeah. I'm going around. That music! Oh, Sir James, did, did I disturb you? So sorry. No, no, I like it. I used to hear it at my aunt's house before I went to sleep. That was you, wasn't it? Those wall brushes play music. All grasshoppers. Try. <laughs> he's so, like, he's great, but he's a little pompous. Yeah. All grasshoppers try. <laughs> Cricket stuff. The music with the voice of the soul. Cricket stuff. <laughs> it means that when I'm happy, my music sounds like this. See, very prestigious, you know. It's a great tune. I like a good violin. Like this. I used to play a violin. I used to try. <laughs> Very sad. I, I used to climb in bed with my mum and dad. That was a long time ago. I'm sure they'd be very proud of you. It's a nice recall of the parents. Alright. Look at the moon. This song is not in the book. No. See? I think I think they they could have modeled Grasshopper after Jane Kelly. I would not be surprised if they did. So now everyone gets involved. Supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> Grasshopper woke him up. Oh, see, now they're singing family. Now, this is more actual animation style. Yeah, 2D. And now we're back to the. So, what's crazy? We haven't really talked about this, but. So it takes, uh, film is 24 frames a second, right? And the more movement there is, that means the, you have to move it so many times within those 24 pictures to get one second. I, the reason why I appreciate the art is because you have to have the most insane amount of patience and precision to be able to move it at the right interval. Angle, yeah. Like it's photography. It's the true definition. It, it, it's, it's what moving pictures. It's what film is. It's a moving picture. So it's like, I definitely appreciate the art form that is stop motion. It takes a lot of creative patience. Amazing <laughs> the universe, solar system. I like how it, like, went from big, big to small. Yeah. Back to big. 
if you think about it, like all the close-ups and stuff, because the peach is essentially so big, they really only had to like show the top part of the peach for the, a lot of the majority of the time. Yeah, as far as like the scales and so forth, um, you have to kind of be very precise about it. Like, all in all, these were pretty big characters, you know, in real life to be able to move them and, and have all the close-ups and what they needed to do with it. Right. We kind of look at it, they got to New York, like, real quick. <laughs> Let's see, we had the sharks, uh, we had the hunger, and then we got the uh, North Pole. Yeah, and the whole shipwreck scene. Yeah, so that was like three complications. Yeah. And if you think about it in real time, if you're like flying on a plane from Europe to New York would be what, six, seven hours? Yeah. I wonder why Rhino. There's like really no evil association with Rhino, other than this film. Uh, in real life, rhinos can be quite dangerous. I believe that. But when you think evil and symbolism, you don't, you don't, think rhino. You don't get Rhino. You think like a fox or a snake, you know. There are other animals out there that are associated with danger. This is when he's finally tested. Like, he's had these smaller tests, but the rhino is what caused him to get in the situation, and now he's standing up, and, you know, this is where everything comes to fruition. Yeah. Uh, look at it from a different perspective. Standing up to your fears. Facing your fears. There goes the stairs. It cut. And all the birds. That's also different too, because in the book, they individually cut all the, you know, they gradually cut all the strings so they lower themselves. This is just like, nope, we're yeah. falling. They don't have a smooth landing here. <laughs> nope. Ugh. And so this is great. Okay, so like the the bug coming out of him, I appreciate that as far as like changing him back to his real life self. Right. I like how they cut the in between flashes, the black yeah. going in and out. Hello, is anyone there? Back to human form. I'm looking for the Empire State Building. <laughs> You're on top You're of it, on kid. It. I appreciate even the live-action version of the Peach. Where did his friends go now? Because they're all like normalized. 
This would be so scary to me. That's super high. I don't care if you have a sp Well, I guess at this point he's already gotten accustomed <laughs> to being in the air. But... And he's like, where am I? I don't know New York. You're on top of it, kid. I love the music switches to New York. But even that, such a very gothic version of New York. Larger than life. It's like very jazzy. <laughs> the peach juice. Oh. There's a boy. What? A boy? Uh, so this, yeah, this scene in, is pretty much a little bit different because at first in the book they think they're UFOs and all that. And certainly the aunts don't make an appearance, but I, I appreciate how this is heightened. It's a little bit more um, playful. And then the aunts bring in the danger. But if you kind of think about it, like, yeah, how, how the hell would you get a peach off <laughs> the Empire gotta, State Building? Gotta cut it. Okay. Oh, there's a peach here. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Story-wise, you know, you wouldn't want to spend more time on because there's so much they, they still got to do. That to have the people that we haven't met be like, oh, well, it just would have been too much. that peach weighs. A good few tons, I imagine. Yeah. Pizzas aren't light. No. They're plump. But also in the book, there is a progression of the peach, like, gets juiced a lot. And it, like, it gains weight, it loses weight in volume. That's true, that's true. See, they're a lot nicer to him here, and I, I, I appreciate that. But now, this is where the danger comes. Yeah. I love the full circle moment <laughs> of the, the car got crushed, and somehow they made it here. In the same amount of time he did. <laughs> but they did it underwater. These <laughs> cars can do that. And they can survive. <laughs> Great little image. No, the ants are back. <laughs> so gross. Ugh, nasty. But she's so good, though. She's like the epitome of what I pictured in the book. Yeah, they do a wonderful job. Kind of you to look after our little lost lamb. 
I appreciate, like, e e even as fantastical as it is, that this is at least a, a fa an, an element of realism of, like, okay, we're his guardians, that's mm -hmm. our peach, and you kind of have to follow the laws right. as, as obnoxious as it may be. Technically, our peach. Show him the picture. Yep. Looks like it's their peach, all right. Yeah. <laughs> their peach. I like the newspaper reporters. It's their peach. Their peach. What the hell are you talking about, boy? Remember his condition. Always blame it on like mental psychosis. God, really. He needs his treatment. That's why we're here to bring him home. So you come here with us. Lovely. Lovely. Like no. As you can see, officer, it is urgent that you release him to us immediately. Let the boy speak. Aha. Someone stops away. I forget. That looks like possible. Like, the delineation of him. I like him as an actor. I forget all the things he's done. But uh, I remember seeing him in a lot of movies and like, like he has this great sort of accent. And he's already stood up to the rhino and now... Now I can stand up to you! Yeah. <laughs> and this is a great lesson for all the kids. Like someone had to dream this up. They didn't just come. The poor boy needs this medicine. Yes. So we'll just take him and the peach back to our cozy little house on the hill. Come along. And how are you going to get, do that? <laughs> right. It's not gonna fit in your car. I love kids with British accents. Another great sort of takeaway is that as a kid, you know, sometimes adults try to silence you, and in life, all you really. Like, you gotta have your voice and be able to express yourself, um, and that's your true weapon in life. Yeah. Stick up for what's right. Stick up for yourself. See? Now the community should get involved. Yeah, this got violent quick. Real quick. So of course those women are certifiable. Oh, I see. Came back. I don't know where, but they came back. Kind of a little fashionably late, but they're still in their size, big size. Because they didn't spit out the green things. Nope. What happens if they poop it? Uh, <laughs> they go back to normal? That's what I'm saying. Gotta keep the green things.
He got all the seagulls, and now he got his ants. <laughs> He's gained a lot of his worldly skills in his travels. Do that. String them up. Spin them around. I like this moment. Oh. That is, uh... That's scary. <laughs> Oh, the kids are traumatized. I don't remember this. Well, I'll be a... The kid was telling the truth. <laughs> Get those two things out of here! Good. Crane. Good. Stop the presses. I got a new front tail. One of the nice things about this soap... When you do a movie like this, animation or stop motion, you pretty much lock in the script. Like I, I feel like t nowadays too many movies are constantly reshooting or changing stuff because it's not working or whatever. Mm -hmm. Here you kind of have to be like, okay, we've, we've wrote the best script possible, so you, you make sure you have the best script possible. Because otherwise, you can't really be reshooting this. No. It's too much work. No. Especially stop motion, it's like a whole nother year. Won't keep forever. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I remember that. Go ahead. And this is how he makes his friends. This now, is how he becomes famous. I'm not sure that you should only be friends with somebody just because you're like, <laughs> give him some peach, but. You gotta say your full name. Okay. James Henry Trotter. James Henry Trotter. It's a big pit. And James Henry Trotter, Trotter, who once was the saddest and loneliest little boy you could find, now had a loving new family and all the friends in the world. You would think that the ladybug would be his nanny, but um, it's interesting that the spider. And ends up being his quote-unquote mom. Again again I feel like the ladybug is more like the grandmother. Yeah. See, and that goes with the book, too. Like the, the movie ends on breaking the fourth wall, and so does the book. Yeah. And then this kind of happens slightly earlier in the book, but uh, but I appreciate this as an epilogue of seeing um, what all these bugs will be doing. See, this is Randy Newman. This is his voice. Glow And it's very inventive of their jobs in New York. Yeah. Look, he's so happy. I wonder how many takes it took them for that. That's <laughs> a big ass smile. Big smile. Now we get the credits. So many animators. <laughs> yeah, now usually like credits are just tremendously long because of visual effects. Right. This is gonna be tremendously long because of effects. Yep. But, you got an upbeat song. Yeah. You can't beat that. 
think Randy Newman, he has a very distinct voice. Like, you can definitely point him out. I've actually seen Randy Newman in real life. There you go. Yeah, I've seen him perform. So, that was the movie. It was fairly quick. Yeah. Because my like, lightning fast. Like that. I feel like you can read the book in the same amount of time as you can watch the movie. That'd be a fun read along? Yeah. Like, it would take the same amount of time. You might be distracted if you're watching the movie, but you know. A little bit. Same, the sentiment applies. A little bit. Uh, so as we're kind of wrapping things up, let us know what your favorite parts of the movie are, what what made you fall in love with the movie, or perhaps if this was your first time watching it, what did you think? Um, by all means, you know, we did this watch along, but it's not just our experience, we want to make it all encompassing, that's why we put it out onto the internet, so you, you can enjoy as well. Furthermore, if you haven't read the book, I, I know typically when people recommend books, it's like a commitment. This is not a commitment. So, if you like the movie, I think you'll enjoy the book. And especially if you have kids, it's a great way to really connect with them because I think it's just a lot of fun for adults and for kids. And secondly, I encourage you to check out Book Circle Online. We have our adapted series, so we're going to be talking about the book and how it translated. Um, so we're going to do our own version. Uh, that will be filmed a day later, so tomorrow. Now, if you're watching in the future, it doesn't matter. Both are available to you. Um, and the good thing about the story is that it's timeless. You can watch it really at any time of the year, and it doesn't age. No, not at all. It's catchy. Very catchy. Very catchy indeed. Digital compositing. This is when digital was just becoming like a thing. Yep. Also, I recommend Coraline is another favorite of mine. I know Nightmare Before Christmas gets a lot of praise, and rightfully so. But I also feel like Coraline is just such a fun movie as well. That that might be a movie I, I do a watch along for if you're ever interested. Another story where you're following a young character through an adventure. Based on a children's book, uh, that one's by Neil Gaiman. Not Roald Dahl, but uh, interestingly enough... Uh, yeah, we're both friends of Neil Gaiman. Yes, indeed. I recommend the Graveyard book, too. Yeah. Um, also Stardust, which we also covered on Adapted. That's right. Although not a children's book. No. Um, Alright, well... We're about finishing up. We'll continue to watch the credits until the very end because obviously everyone deserves credit for the work that they put into it. Yes. Um, but let us also know in the comment section if, if you guys like these watch-alongs, what would you like to see as a watch-along? I can't promise that'll be me and Marissa per se doing the watch-along, although you can include that as part of your thing if you really want us. Um, if you want to torture Marissa, just suggest horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we will, you know... We're covering we'll, a lot of horror movies for future watch-alongs, definitely. Yeah, and uh, we'll certainly try these in the future. We, we have somewhat of a library. Uh, I believe we've covered all the Star Wars movies, so you can do that. Um, I think this is a fun thing, and we, we built this great studio. 
here are networked to be able to facilitate. It's a lot of fun just sitting back.